On this week's Taste of Wrestling Podcast, it is Hell in a Cell week, so we pre- preview and predict all the matches on this weekend's pay-per-view. Also, myself, Mike Bernier, and Joe Lopez, we reveal our top five favorite Hell in a Cell matches of all time. And Samoa Joe is back at the WWE, more specifically at NXT. We talk about his legacy and what he can do for the old brand. All this and more on the Taste of Wrestling Podcast. Wrestling Podcast here, coming to you June 17th, 2021. I'm your host, Ernest Christian, alongside Mike Veneer, Joe Lopez. Fellas, it is Hell in a Cell Week, but it's good. I mean, isn't it always Hell in a Cell Week? At least, like, I mean, Chris, one's perspective, I guess, yeah. Uh, I'll say that's both perspectives. It's definitely Hell, it's definitely hell in the Cell Week. Um... So before we start this, um, and we get to get to our lovely topics tonight, which include a preview of this week's Hell in a Cell, which, yes. which we're going to have a lot of fun with, I think. Um, I'm going to be very transparent with all of you at home. Uh, it's not been the greatest week for yours truly. Um, for those of you watching at YouTube, this this part of the show may, may suck a little bit. Um, I'm doing this show tonight with probably one of the more bogged minds that I've had since we started recording. Um, so if I tend to, to rant on about something or I tend to be a little space cadet with some of my thoughts or whatever, I want you guys to know why. And I'm going to be transparent with it. Um, Friday morning, we record on Thursday nights, obviously. Ernest gave you the date when we introed. Uh, I got awoken by my wife that my dad had fallen. Um, he's not the greatest with his balance. So I said, okay, it's a prototypical. He fell. Um, so I went over to my parents' house and it was not good. Um, they took him to the hospital. Um, basically they've, they can't, they don't know what's going on. Um, it's been pretty rough, uh, for everyone in our household. Um, he's been having seizures. Um, they don't know how many, they don't know anything except for the fact that he's had multiple mini ones and they're rapid and it could be, one right after another could be a couple of other things. Um, but you know, and then yesterday we got a, we got a really bad call that, uh, that they rushed to put him on a ventilator, um, which a little bit later in the day we found out really wasn't the case. Um, the medication that he was on for his, his seizures, um, was one of the side effects is, uh, inflammation of the airway. And, uh, they decided to put him on it to help, regulate his breathing, which, you know, thankful for that. Um, you know, positive news today is that everything he, he's kind of weaning himself off of the seizure medication. We still don't know what's caused what's going on. Um, I, I don't want to say like, I know what I'm talking about because obviously I'm not a doctor. Something isn't making sense. I don't know if it's an infection. I don't know if it's something weird going on. I know I told Joe, I didn't, I know I didn't tell you, Ernest, the ICU doctor told us said something about mad cow disease and, you know, we started looking up stuff and I mean, it, it's been a, it's been a rough week. Um, so, you know, this release is going to be nice. It's going to be nice to be with you two. Um, yeah. but I want everyone, everyone 
just bear with me this week if I'm a little out there. Um, if you want and you have my contact information, feel free to reach out to me. I just ask that you please do not post anything on my Facebook wall because there are people that I am friends with on Facebook that do not know. It's a very minor few people. Now you at home know. Um, but there are people in the family that are friends with on Facebook that we obviously don't want to know what's going on. So if uh, if you want to reach out, feel free. I'll be around. Um, I'm helping my mom move tomorrow, so it's going to be a rough day for me. Um, but we'll be around, and, you know, any any positive vibes and P's and P's are greatly appreciated to everybody out there. But uh, I just look at it from the standpoint of um, if I'm a little out there tonight, I want you guys to know why. It's not one of those where Mike's phoning it in. Mike's, Mike's had a really rough week, and it's been day by day putting the pieces together. So, Well, let me say this much. You know, anyone, probably most people going through what you're going through would not, would not even attempt to do the show tonight. The fact you're doing the show tonight speaks volumes. You know, for a reason, whether yeah. it's an escape or just to get this, the show goes on kind of thing. Whatever it may be. So I, I, I think that's a... Agree. absolutely agree with Ernest. And, you know, real life sucks, man. And that's why I choose to live my life like a pro wrestling storyline. Uh, if... If you pay attention to any of the drama in my life right now, the man who I married for money that he was lying about having is currently in the psych ward. If that's not a WCW 1999 storyline, <laughs> I don't fucking know what that it is. That is 1999. That is All track. it's missing is Stacey Keebler. Like, it really, really is. is. This is... This is David Flair and Crowbar all over again. It really is. And I'm, and I'm somehow Crowbar. <laughs> Not okay. Hey, we haven't got to New York yet. <laughs> Imagine that. Oh God. <laughs> Mike, is that, is that is that me moving to Florida? Is that like the transition to the David Arquette years? I think so. I think we're. I mean, in. that. I mean, who knows? I'll well, be there soon. This. We gonna find out. Becomes take four because David Arquette's our fourth co-host. It's not my fault. David oh, Arquette's yeah. champion. David Arquette's champion. champion. Oh my God. Thanks. Next thing you know, me and Joe are sitting in the same room recording this, and David Arquette just pops his head over our shoulders, and we're like, where the fuck did you come from? They record pop-up, man, this for the podcast. I'll, I will ask him so many questions about Scream. That will be I, it. I think if we do it, we have to get him dressed as Deputy Doofy. Yes. Yes. So can, we, can we ask you about why you didn't bring the, the WCW title with you to the to the party? He said, he said, uh, we're not going to take it anymore. It's, it's funny, it's funny you said that because I just watched the uh, Rise and Fall WCW a couple of days ago, and you know, obviously, they touch on David Arquette angle. Like, oh, I just Jesus. watched Spring too. Yeah. Oh, all right. So before we get to the topics, yes, because I didn't get to announce this on the show last week because I made it on Friday, and I know some people don't follow us on Twitter. If you don't and you have a Twitter, follow us at Take Three Wrestling. The P, the Pro Wrestling Scorecard faction that I made for all the fun cards coming up with the prize for someone who has the most overall points. Yes. I know you both are looking at me like you're confused because you didn't know where I was going with this. I I thought you were about to say something about Pete Dunn, and I don't know why. The Bruiser White. <laughs> yeah. All white gear was Fuego Box, by the way. That's all I'm saying. Yo, it was. And not for nothing, but any man who's willing to wear all white in a situation where they're going to be extremely sweaty and potentially poop themselves – that is a brave motherfucking man. Pete Dunn wins like man of the year for that fashion choice alone. Facts. Um, yeah. So for those of you that don't know, uh, Pro Wrestling Scorecard 
uh, I created a faction or a group as, as you would know it. Um, they put up the shows, they open up the, the prediction scales and they add fun things to it. Like in the X division match on the impact show, it was like aerial moves over under like eight and a half or something. And you pick and they give you like a little cushion of plus or minus one, but it's, it's a fun little thing. Um, Obviously, there have been two shows so far in your house and then impacts against all odds. Um, I'm going to score everything and, you know, I may maybe we'll make it where WWE and AEW show like count for like double points. So if some random person wins an NWA show, it doesn't count for a million points or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But it's open. Um, yeah, have the, the information. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I got I to open it on my phone, though. Hold on, because, you know. I was not prepared for this portion. Who of was uh? For, was Tom first? You, a boy, Tom, that was on this podcast what, a couple months ago. Well, that was Jim. That was Jim, that was Jim. Sorry, Jim. Not podcast, Tom. but but you got it right. That is Tom's co-host. Right. On okay, their I podcast, stuff, sorry. the Two Spot okay. Monkeys. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a surprise there. Well, apparently, no, I, basically, <laughs> that game right now is to find out how many different podcast hosts can beat us at making predictions. All right, so when you go to ProWrestlingScoreCards.com in the upper right-hand corner after you sign in, the third box will say Factions. Uh, we are the Take 3 Wrestling private faction. Uh, to join our faction, you have to use the invite code, which is 7, A as in Alpha, 7, C as in Charlie, C as in Charlie, and then the number 1. We currently have eight members um, for the TakeOver in Your House show, the top five were Tom with 81 points, Jim with 72 points, Ernest had 71, uh, I had 68, and Joe had 56. And for the Impact show, there was only four of us that did it. Joe had 94 points, I had 87, Jim had 84, and then uh, Jim from the... Uh, three count? Three count. Oh, okay. Had, yeah, he had 58 points. So if you put all the points together in a fun little calculator, um, I think according to my document, I am technically – I uh, Jim is technically in first with 156 of the Two Spot Monkeys podcast. I'm in second with 155. Uh, Joe's got 150. Big Jim has 105. And then uh, the rest of the individuals are the only ones that pick just the in-your-house show. So – I think it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be fun because we're going to have to, like, have people just randomly pick, like, things for shows just yeah. to not fall behind in the points. Right. So right. I think it's going to be one of those things that's going to be kind of fun. And I saw that, like, in the champion section, it says something about NFL, so maybe they add the NFL to it, too. So this is going to get very oh, hard nice. before it's all said oh, this, done. This disgusting. This so, is disgusting. Uh, so for those of you at home that want to join, again, feel free. Uh, 7A... I don't fucking remember it. Uh, I fucking dropped. I closed the button. You see. Alpha Vega. Yeah. I'll put it on Instagram on the story whenever we post the, yeah. the, the slide. I'll put it on Twitter again. I'll put it on my personal Facebook again. Uh, for anyone that wants to join, we will give away a prize to whoever has the most cumulative points scored at the end of the year. And then we'll just keep this running into 2022 and make it a fun thing moving forward. I will just say real quick, I was stunned. I actually – place ahead of you guys in the uh, takeover fucking section. That was weird. You know, I feel like the funny part is if I had changed a lot of my predictions to what I went with on the show instead of with what I actually filled out, I might have done better. Because the conversation that we had last week put me in different places on mm. 
Like, I definitely don't, I'm not positive if I had Karrion Cross winning and stuff like that. I think I did have him winning, actually. I did not. I think you're trying to sell Kyle O'Reilly to win, but maybe both we just said Karrion Cross is probably going to win anyway, regardless. Yeah. You know? I, I got, I got crushed by, um... The Zai Lee match? No, that, that one sucked too for me. Yeah. But I got crushed by the Karrion, the, the main event, because I had, I put Kyle O'Reilly as the winner, so that one kind of shafted me royally. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. O'Reilly. Auto parts. No! <laughs> I need that sound drop. Big Jim, where you at, man? Get that sound drop. <laughs> yeah, uh, no. my re- yeah, yeah, my my results. I only got six points from the Zaya Lee match, and I only got five from the world from the from the NXT title match. So you can tell about how bad I did in those matches, and I still somehow finished with like seventy five points. I picked Zaya Lee because I thought she was cute. That's all. <laughs> so speaking of obviously really great network specials on Peacock, y'all want to talk about Hell in a Cell? Yeah, Let's do it. Do man. it. You know, this is going to be the last uh, pay-per-view before the crowds come back. Um, I'm going to miss these smaller, short <laughs> cards, man. Five matches. One, two, three, four, four. five. Four matches now. Four well, matches yeah, now. Because, which we'll get to in a second. I'm sure they'll end up adding something. Well, yeah, I'm going to make a bold prediction on what it is, too, when we get there. Okay, okay. that's the first match real quick. Uh, first match on the list here, we got Alexa Bliss versus Shayna Baszler. Um, this storyline is just, just weird. I, I mean, it, the storyline is the same stuff they were doing with The Fiend and Randy mm-hmm. Orton. They've just, they've taken Orton out and replaced him with another lesbian. It's no big deal. I'm not against it. Uh, at the end of the day, the funny part is, I think on paper, it's actually kind of a good match. And like, in-ring wise, if this was in front of an NXT crowd, at a takeover or something, this could honestly be, like, show-stealing. I think because of the fact that they're going to end up playing some sort of crazy storyline stuff with Alexa and Lily <laughs> and all that, that chances are this isn't going to be as good of a wrestling match as it could be. I think I think there's going to be a little too much, like, silliness and over yeah. the with it. So I'm not exactly excited for it. I'm going to say this. I'm so ready to be back in front of live crowds watching these shows. Like, I even said it to you guys the other day where, like, I watched Raw this week because, I don't know, I've had a lot of free time this week. I've watched a lot of wrestling. That was so weird. You were texting us the other day. Like, you, you're, you like, literally live-tweeting Raw. And I, then, what was yeah. the other one also, too? I think it was, was NXT or something I else? I watched NXT. I watched Elevation. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, no, you're watching uh, AEW. Yeah. I was yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I haven't well, watched I mean, Dark. I, I still can't do that to myself. Yeah. But, for, those, for those of you that somehow joined this podcast like 20 minutes into it, uh, it, did you not hear Joe's like life as a 1999 <laughs> storyline? He's had a lot of free time because fucking uh, the David Flair of his fucking relationship is somehow locked up in a loony bin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, quick question real quick about this match. Well, more so about Alexa Bliss. How do you guys feel about this 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 this, this angle she's doing now with the playground and all that? Do you guys like it? So uh, well, okay. I want to like. But I'm like, I don't know. A couple of things. A couple of things on my thoughts with this. Number one, I love that there's finally a female character that is doing some sort of, like, crazy, occult, you know, dark, like, possessed storyline in WWE. Women in WWE and women and 
No, I'm not going to say in wrestling in general, because you do have a lot of women in, like, Impact especially, and a couple of other places that have done the darker storyline stuff. In WWE, female wrestlers have always basically fallen into two categories. You're either a sex bomb, usually blonde, kind of look really good, or you're alternative. You're Rhea Ripley, you're Asuka, you know, you're the, you got crazy colorful hair and whatever, and, like, you're, you're doing your own crazy thing. You're not necessarily just selling sex the way your Mandy Rose and your Dana Brooke are and stuff like that. Those are the two kinds of women you get. You've never actually had a female character in WWE, in my opinion, who is a full-on character where there's something different going on. Like, there's never been a female version of The Undertaker or Kane or anything right. like that. Very true. The closest we've ever come to it is this Alexa Bliss incarnation that we have right now. So in that regard, I'm here for it. I love that they're finally doing something different with a woman. It makes her even important. Like, look, how often on these pay-per-views in the last, like, year or so have we had any matches involving women that had nothing to do with any of the titles? This is a rarity where we actually have, like, just a women's storyline going on that's just for the sake of a storyline. And it works because the character makes it work. So in all of those ways, I'm here for it. I really enjoy it. I don't know how well it's going to translate once they're in front of a live studio audience again. I don't know that they're going to be able to make it work in front of arenas and stuff. Like, granted, they've done it with The Undertaker for 30 years. I'm kind of mad you just gave us the old, uh, like, Family Matters recorded in front of a live studio <laughs> audience. I'm like, what? <laughs> really? Just like, drop that look, on us? They've obviously had The Undertaker for 30 years. They had Kane for, like, 20-something years. They've done stuff. They can, they, can, they can do things in front of live audiences that make the character work, but the character so far hasn't had to be in front of live audiences. Like, other than that really big production at WrestleMania, which you're not going to do every week. You're not going to come out and do that big ordeal that they did at WrestleMania. Wait, so, you know, like the big jack-in-the-box? I, I loved it. <laughs> you know I loved it. I'm one of the few people that actually enjoyed that match. Facts. Any chance Alex? Well, any chance Shayna Baszler was this match though? I I'm really glad that you're our friend. I, this is a friendship that will never ever end. I Let's go. Doubt, I doubt that Alexa's gonna lose, but you know, the Fiend never needs to win. So does Alexa <laughs> actually need to win here? I don't know. Really? The only way that I don't see Alexa actually winning this match would be if it's something like a disqualification. Or she just, like, beats Shayna and then, like, something happens with Lily and she just, like, zombie walks out of the ring. Right. Like, in, like, a trance, just, like, leaves. And Shayna just kind of, like, lays in the ring and they're like, uh, alright, I guess this is a count out. Right. Kind of right. thing. Like, I don't, th I don't think Shayna's putting Alexa in the Korofuja clutch and, and winning. Like, let's put it that way. Like, it's gotta be one of those where it's like, at least because this is the first real match that Alexa's really having on a big stage since the Jack in the Box at WrestleMania, where she kind of took over the yeah. fan role. And I think that's kind of why I think that this is one of those where it's like, I can see her doing exactly what the Fiend would do, which is like lay fucking people out <laughs> and like just leave. Yeah. And you're just like, well, fuck you go. <laughs> so I, I just, I think it's one of those where 
for the storyline perspective, I think Alexa needs to either be dominant or win this match. Yeah. All right. Okay, here we go. So initially, before 9 o'clock this evening, Universal title on the line to Roman Reigns and Rey Mysterio in the cell, of course. However, we got word from WWE about two hours ago that they've Great now moved news. this match. Um, they got Britt. <laughs> wow, I was so out of tune. <laughs> hey, they got Britt Baker. No, no. Who's D-M-D. it? <laughs> this match got moved to tomorrow night. Well, by the time this is podcast, it'll be on uh, Friday night SmackDown. Um, so, um, look, there's no, there's, there's no fucking way we're going to win this match at all. Whether it's on Friday or Sunday. No. But the extra shit around this is going to be more interesting. So I'm curious. I'm curious here now. Wait. We know something's going to happen where this match or some match is going to end up happening on Sunday. We're not not getting a Roman Reigns match on Sunday. I'm convinced of that. So my, my question to you guys is are we going to end up just getting Ray still? Is it going to go? Are we pivoting? Are, are the, is it going to be a match against one of the Usos? Where I do we... I, th- huh? I have Roman and, and Jimmy maybe going. Okay. See, here's my one thing. Do I think WWE could potentially have booked a Roman Reigns, Rey Mysterio, Hell in a Cell match on Friday to sell a Roman Reigns and Rey Mysterio Hell in a Cell match on Sunday? Yes, I do. I think WWE is in a place right now where they seem to think that repeating the same match over and over and fucking over again is a really good selling point. Do you not remember when I was watching Raw on Monday for the first time in, like, what, two months? I think I had to watch Raw. Asuka and Rhea. Asuka and Rhea. You can't fucking get away from that match if you try. Nope. I haven't watched Raw in two months. The first Raw I watched for the first time, there's another fucking Asuka and Rhea match. So we blame you. Being the best match that I've seen them have against each other. But why is this like the fifth match that I've seen them have against each other since WrestleMania? Because like, Joe. That, because Joe. Awful. It's your fault. I'm I'm okay with that being my fault, but it's an awful thing. Uh, it's yeah. genuinely awful, and that's what I was saying. Like, say what you want about AEW, but and this is like just a point that I was making earlier in the group chat. I'm sorry to go off course. I will let Mike take over and explain his uh, WrestleMania backlash Hell in a Cell theory. But all I'm saying is that AEW. I will give them this credit. If you look at the card for Dynamite every single week, there's no repeat matches. They find a way to mix things up in a certain order where we get everything fresh and new. And you can't give me, oh, AEW's a new company, blah, 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 as an excuse. Because they've been around for over two years now, or at least two years now, with pretty much the exact same roster in place. It's not like there's actually been a lot of turnaround with AEW's roster. You've had people come in, but you haven't had a lot of people leave or anything like that. So at the end of the day, if AEW wanted to be giving us the same match five times in a month period, they really could. The fact that they don't do that and they give us fresh matchups every week. And look, 
the end of the day, am I super excited that Penta and Frankie Kazarian and uh, Eddie Kingston are taking on half of the Young Bucks and Yes, Fifty Cent Buck and with the other two people on that team, like fucking huh? Oh, and the Good Brothers who never wrestle. It's the Good Brothers, and then it's uh three dimes, four nickels, and a quarter yes. or something. You know, yes, whatever. exactly. Oh, yeah. They're actually borrowing fucking T bar. Then a then a trio match. Then an eight man tag. And they, they, they even got like, six man tags too. Like oh, four man tags. That's a six man tag match. That am I sitting here being like, oh my god, that's the most exciting sounding match of all time. I can't wait to see it. No, but I'm not sitting here being like, oh Jesus fucking Christ. Why do I have to watch Cody Rhodes versus Anthony Agogo 3 when I just watched them wrestle two weeks ago? I will say this. If it leads to a 10-man tag match, that's the two bucks, the Good Brothers, and Brandon Cutler What's versus happening? Death Triangle, Eddie Kingston, and Frankie Kazarian. I'm blaming you, Ernest, for bringing up Brandon Cutler's name, Buck. Hey, he, I, I didn't book this shit. <laughs> I that. somehow found a way to put him on a team in my 16 teams that I programmed. So, into our group chat. I'm disappointed that he was very clearly the lesser cutler, and he's the one we're stuck with. Annoying as it, they may, I'm kind of sort of not as bothered by the Bucks. At least they're fucking, they're, they're running with this tool thing fucking to the hilt. All right. Time, time for me to tell you why Ray Mysterio is winning the title. I'll get the <laughs> fuck out. show over. <laughs> I mean, you guys challenged me to do this every month. Okay, sell John, motherfucker. Father's Day. Coming to the aid of his son, Rey Mysterio wins the world title. What it I should have itself. What I should have said is, tell me Rey Mysterio's winning the title without telling me Rey Mysterio's winning the title. That's so wait, first of all, first of all, to get there on Sunday, how are you dealing with Friday where they've announced the Hell in a Cell between Rey Mysterio and Roman Reigns? Second of all, what if the excuse is that Rey's wife was just like, nah, Sunday's Father's Day. Mira, you don't get to go have no Uh-oh. wrestling. You're going to be home. I'm making arroz con polio. You're going to be home. Oh, We're going to have ourselves. Dominic going to be here. We're going to have ourselves a pate. I'm hungry now. I will, I, I, I will do you one worse. Oh, no. Rey Mysterio will not obviously win the world title. Because here's how I'm going to do you one worse. He will lose on Friday inside Hell of a Cell to Roman Reigns. We will then get Roman Reigns versus Dominic Mysterio for the universal title at Hell in a Cell. Inside Hell in a Cell. As the guy tries to up that. Let's go. Let's go, terrible booking. And if this was WCW booking, Dominic would win the match. I know he would. He's the David Arquette of the fucking goddamn thing. There's the Arquette move over there. I will fucking do you one worse. You didn't think it could get worse? I found a way to get there. You You know know the sad thing is? The sad part is, from a storyline point of view, I don't hate that. Like, like as as a story, telling it as a narrative... Having the dad lose on Friday and then having the son go on on Sunday and have the match and hopefully lose. I don't hate that. I only hate that Dominic Mysterio is the person that's in it. That's Vince Russo really booking. I mean. Like if this was Johnny Gargano and Austin Theory as the father-son duo, 
I wouldn't hate this storyline at all. I'd be like, fuck yeah, Austin Theory, wrestle for the title on Sunday. But alas, it's Dominic Mysterio, who I think we've all collectively agreed is just not good. Like, he's and just the crowd not. goes mild. Yeah. Um, okay, so what actually I really think is going to happen now that I got the Dominic Mysterio angle out of the way. Um, Roman Reigns will win, obviously, on Friday. I believe that this leads to Us trying to stop Roman from destroying Ray because Dominic will not be there selling the power bomb outside of the ring spot from last week. Well, give me Ain't No One's Bitch versus Big Match Us. Give me Brother versus Brother inside Hell in the Cell. I could see that. And I don't even have that. Roman Russell at all? Nope. Wow. This is your last show before you have to worry about Roman wrestling on every show. Yeah, yeah. you're right. So what do you do? You have him have a 10-minute match on, on Fox, which you get Fox the ratings that Fox wants. Keep them happy. Cool. Whatever. You're going to get people that are going to watch because you still have Bobby, Ra- Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre, which then gets the main event because that's the final match of that feud, hopefully. So you, give them the, yeah. so you give them the spotlight to end the show. Because here's the deal. You're not finishing with that match if Roman Reigns is on the show. True. He is the Hogan must pose of the 2020 era. Like, if Roman Reigns is on the show and Roman Reigns is in a match, that match is closing the show 90% of the time. Yeah, you're right. Like, the 10% that you may not is, like, if it's a two-night WrestleMania or if, like, randomly you get, like, John Cena versus, like, somebody random that isn't fucking Roman. Right. Like, that's probably it at this point. I mean, even unless you have, like, something crazy happen, like, where in January somebody wins the Royal Rumble, that's a complete surprise, and you close with the show that way. Cool. Like, it's going to be something fluky like that. Like, you're not fin- you're not, not finishing with Roman in front of a live audience unless something big is going to happen. Yeah. Right. Like, right. like oh... <clears throat> The month after this first live show is Money in the Bank. Okay, so say Edge shows up, wins Money in the Bank. You may not finish a show in October or December, like TLC, because Edge may cash in Money in the Bank. Like, Roman may not finish that show because of a moment. Like, that makes sense. You're like, oh, okay, Roman isn't finishing. Maybe something's happening. I have to, I have to keep watching. I can't right. not watch it. Right. Because, so it's like, when, when it comes to Roman, it's like, man, I got to see Roman wrestle. I love this heel character. I think I love what he's doing. I, this, that, or the other. Like, you have to keep people on the hook for as long as you can. How do you do it? I have him going on last. And if he doesn't go on last, damn, the best act in the company right now just had a match, like, an hour into the show. What the fuck's going to happen next? I can't fucking not watch anymore. Right. So it's like he's he's become the Swiss Army knife in that aspect of right. – He's got to be the guy that's on the show, unless he's not on the show. And then right. you, give the, you give the ability to Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre to go out there and finish that thing, hopefully, once and for all. And it's not because I think those guys are not good together. They've had really good matches. They just had so many of them that I we, we need something fresh in that title picture. No discredit to either one of those two guys, because those two guys have worked their asses off. I don't want to sit here and discredit what they've done. But it's time for one of them to move on to... Uh, uh, another feud and one of them to, to move on the title and, and, and keep going. Which way did they decide to go with that? We'll talk about shortly. 
But that match has to, I think that match, if this is the final chapter, has to finish the show. Yeah. So how do you, how do you do it? You get Roman out of there. You have him kill fucking Ray on Friday. Beat him in 10 or 15 minutes, but real easy. Post-match, you get Ooze versus Ooze, and then we get Jimmy versus Jay. Jay, if, if Jay wins, Jimmy's got to fall in line and, and acknowledge Roman. If not, maybe Jimmy gets Jay's freedom and J- Jay gets to pick what Jay wants to do. And you could put that on as the opening match on the show, too. Yeah, like, you could. I want to sell usually anyway. In fact, so, I probably would guess that if, if that story would play out, that would be the first match. <laughs> I mean, at this point, I think it's the only match because you're not really going to go chamber, chamber. Or, I mean, sell, sell. You're not going to go, no. oh, okay, sell, and you're going to lift it and have one random, like, eight-minute match and then put it back down either. Like, right. open it, open it, have a match, have them go, and then close it, and then we'll see you in a, we'll see you in a couple hours. Right. Kind of thing. So, All right. Yeah, that's just my personal opinion. All right, we've got the Raw Women's Championship between Rhea Ripley, a champion, and Charlotte Flair. Um, now... A lot of talk about Rhea Ripley's uh, title reign thus far. Not very exciting, kind of. Well, that's because nothing very exciting at the moment on Raw. The Oscar thing, yeah, I'm with you. So my my train of thought here is this: if they take the belt Rhea right now, I feel like that shows lack of confidence in her. But there is value in a chase as well. So I don't know what to go here. I feel like if Rhea wins this match, I'm going to pick Rhea here because I think it will give her more credibility moving forward by beating Charlotte Flair, the 13-time champion. That's where I'm at in this whole thing. Yeah, I, I think Rhea's going to win. I honestly just don't see them doing anything radical between now and a month from now when they're back in front of live audiences. Like, there's there's a bit uh there's a bit to the theory that they're probably going soft and coasting right now through storylines and everything. It's probably one of the reasons why we do get so many repeat matches and stuff. And it it makes me very interested to see what the shows are going to be like once yeah. we're in front of live crowds again. Like I actually am looking forward to tuning into Raw when they're in front of a live audience again for the first time because I'm curious to see. If there's merit there, if they've been taking it easy and, like I said, coasting for the last few months, or if they really are just at a point where this is just the best that they can do and it's shit, you know, it's one or the other. And I think we're going to find out very shortly which one it is. And it's going to be it's going to be really telling if, like, they're back in front of a live crowd and all of a sudden Raw is the fucking best that it's been in years that's going to be very telling for like how they were working through the pandemic and what they were giving us, you know, but that said, I, I do think at the very least in this last month or so before you're back in front of live crowds, you're definitely kind of coasting your way through. So I don't see them making a big change. I don't see them putting the title on Charlotte right now. I, I see them. If that's going to happen, that's happening at like SummerSlam or something like that. So I, I think here Rhea probably holds on to the belt. Okay, Mike. This sucks. <laughs> <clears throat> the Manny match was good last year. Yeah. So what do you need to do? You know, put fucking fried rice in a pan and hope to God it sticks. I mean, this is <laughs> awful. This booking is terrible. 
this fucking way we've gotten here is even worse. Um, obviously, I'm going to take Rhea to win because I think she gets redemption for WrestleMania. But, I mean, I haven't watched Raw, and Joe, you did. Have they, did, did, did they mention that they wrestled at WrestleMania in, in any of the promos or anything? Like, Not recently, no. Wow, Most of this... Morons. Most of their feud that I can tell in the last month has been based around them both losing matches to Nikki Cross. Yeah. Like, that's that's actually literally been the Charlotte and Rhea feud. Frankly, I don't get why Nikki Cross isn't here in some capacity. Like, give her, give me her as, like, the special guest referee. <laughs> Am I wrong? Whoa, like, can I just say for a second, now thinking about it, we, ha- we haven't had a special guest referee in a match in a fucking long-ass time. I agree. WWE. Like, I, I, maybe in a Roman Reigns match, I feel like there might have been, like, an Uso as special referee, which makes sense because Paul Heyman basically is in charge of all that stuff. And I guess, I don't know, it's very, like, 90s. But, like, that used to be a really good, like, story development user, whatever you want to say, you know? Like, why isn't Nikki Cross here as a special guest referee or something like that? Like, make, make it consistent. That's all. Am I wrong for thinking this match is a, little, a bit too soon? Maybe a little too soon by month? I mean, I, I only in that's... the sense of that they haven't built a good storyline for yeah. it. Like, that's the only reason. But, like, they could have built a good storyline in the last month, and it'd be fine timing. They just didn't because they suck. I mean, I really genuinely feel, though, that, like, they were trying to build that this match was going to happen before Rhea won the title at WrestleMania. True. So it's one of those things where it's like, I don't think it's too early. I just think it's that if if they would have started this build later, like, if they would have waited until after WrestleMania, like, we'd be in a spot like, okay, they could have their first match now. Maybe maybe Charlotte's involved in Money in the Bank, so they don't have a match at, at Money in the Bank, and then, like, they have the blow-off at SummerSlam, where it's, like, the final the final challenge kind of thing. Like, okay, cool. I They, they kind of pinpointed that Oscar was going to lose the belt, and that we were going to get Rhea and Charlotte, like, a month and a half before we got the end of the fucking Rhea fucking Oscar feud. Yeah. But the real, the real issue here is that, aside from Nikki Cross, I don't know if there's another woman on the Raw roster that, like, you can be like, oh, okay, Rhea can wrestle her for the title. Yeah, you're right. Like, I don't but know. The- very weak right now. Like who, like, who do you feed her to, exactly? Yeah. Because Asuka was, was, was used up already, so Charlotte's the only other one. And the only other, the only other people on Raw right now that are involved in anything are Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax, right. Alexa Bliss. Alexa yeah. Bliss. So it's one of the things where you give her Nia? Uh, not really. You want to feed her Mandy or fucking Dana Brooke? I mean, yeah. if you if you want a two-star match that you're going to go, why the fuck is this on my television? Sure, why not? Um, you know, th- and there really isn't many other options viable right now. I mean, personally, perfect chance. Bring up fucking, like, Mercedes Martinez. Bring I mean, hindsight's fucking... 2020. Where? Better yet. Before we move on. Where the fuck is Mia Yim? Hanging out with Keith Lee. Like, let her fucking wrestle. Or is she not cleared too? Like, what are we doing? What's the SmackDown? No, she's on Raw. She's Raw? Okay. Oh, no, Retribution. They, right, retribution. They, she was on, she was in Retribution, but then she left. And then they were just going to bring her back as Mia Yim. And they were like, oh, she's going to be on SmackDown. And then they haven't brought her back. Like, what are we doing? Uh, that's that's why, well. Uh, here's a perfect chance to go use someone. And maybe you don't. Peter to Rhea, but here's a chance to, to go have a good 12-minute match, 
Rhea gets a win against a good in-ring opponent, looks good in the process, and guess what? Her title run doesn't look like it's a big-ass waste of time. Right. This is why I wanted them to break up Nia and Shayna. Because my, my, I would have said feed her to Shayna for a few months and then well, get I mean, to... I mean, here's here's the reality of the situation. The dumbest thing they could have done was let go all the fucking people they've let go because how the fuck are they going to keep the fucking tag titles relevant? But I digress. Why have it? You know what the funny thing is? Of all the things, like in the first hour of Raw that I watched this past week, the most entertaining segment, and it was genuinely entertaining, like it wasn't just because the bar was low, it's like it actually got me interested. We are. We are the bar. Right. It actually got me interested in the storyline and the feud and the wrestlers involved in in the segment was a segment involving Natty and Tamina and Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose. It was so a well-done... going to be the kickoff show. Yeah, right. It was a well-done little segment. Like, I think it was all of probably about two minutes long. It was, it was them at the Performance Center practicing, and the other girls come in and are just like, oh, my God, y'all suck. And they were just like, well, get in the ring and we'll show you how much we suck. And then they got in the ring and they brawled a little bit until the referees broke them apart. That's how you sell a match. That made me actually look forward to seeing those two teams have a match maybe next week on Raw. Because, of course, it's not going to be on the pay-per-view. Why would we put it on the pay-per-view? Why would we actually build this stuff? Because we're stupid. Right. <laughs> Dumb booking. Next By the match. way, speaking what? of dumb booking and Monday Night Raw, one of the things that annoyed me the most was the fact that during that first hour, we had the quite literal epitome of 50-50 booking at its finest. When Jeff Hardy lost a match to John Morrison and then was challenged to another match by Cedric Alexander, which Jeff Hardy then won. With his with his career on the I was line. You say, and if you lost, his career was over. But like, you literally had Jeff Hardy lose a match and then win a match. So Jeff Hardy is just kind of flat and there. He he didn't he didn't go down. He lost. He, he lost that for you. Right. Jeff Hardy he like, that for you. He, <laughs> he, he 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 was just there. And then on top of that, like so the only saw, person. So we saw Vega that segment. Basically, and John Morrison doesn't look any better, and Cedric Alexander actually does look worse. Like, all you got out of these two segments was Cedric Alexander looking like shit. And I don't know why why that was necessary. That was just bad booking to me. Hot garbage. Uh, all right. Next one. SmackDown Women's Championship on the line between Bianca Belair, the champion, versus Bailey. Look for this one, actually. Uh, I will stay. I will say, sorry, that uh, stay. stay. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna late. Um, this feud is feel like it's stalled a little bit, just a bit. And I feel like now with being in a cell, that maybe this is this is the uh, the blow off, and then they go separate ways. I don't, I don't know. I don't know who you feud Bianca to next. Um, between now and SummerSlam, I mean, we can go back to Sasha again, maybe. The man. But, Give her the man. Hmm. I will say though, Bailey's amazing. Oh it's, yeah, no, I really like Bailey. Incredible. And they had a good match at the last pay per view. Oh so yeah. I'm excited for the match itself. Mm-hmm. I haven't really watched SmackDown, so I can't say anything about the storyline. Um, 
other than it is kind of just there. And like you said, I don't know who else. You know, like, maybe the next one, if you want to get a couple of quick two months out of it before you're back in front of a live crowd, maybe give her Carmella or somebody like that. Yeah, That's some filler. Yeah. She's a former champion. Man. Give her Liv. Okay. I mean, they ain't got anything else for her to do. And you got two months to fill between now and SummerSlam, so. Watch her live. I mean, Bianca's win this match, obviously. But I will say, Bailey's done a great job of being the nice, you know, heel. And the, and the build to this thing has been pretty good, too, with the whole the whole screens and her laughing and all this shit. Her character's really developed well in this last year and a half, two years since turning turn heel. I'll take the EST so of PhD of LLC of MLA and all that other fun shit that she is. Are, are Cesaro and Seth Rollins not fighting on this show? I think I think that's gonna get added tomorrow. Okay. I think that's gonna get added. I don't. Because that feels good. really out of place. It does on this card. Somewhere. The only the only way it doesn't work, the only way that, like that it would work if they don't is if they're saying Cesaro can't get medically cleared because of the shoulder damage right. from Rollins' attack, which then leads to them having like a pull apart brawl on the show. And right, move into it like them both being in Money in the Bank to them having a SummerSlam match or something like that. Like, yeah, that makes sense if that's the route that we're going. But you have to give me that Cesaro isn't medically cleared. Like you can't just be like, eh, and that's like it breathe, and that's like it breathe. Wait, wait, wait. That's, that's, yeah, that's no, kinda, that, that would be a greatly booked story. I would actually be very excited for all okay of that. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's really good use. By the way, when did Seth Rollins' gimmick become Daft Punk? Probably after um, WrestleMania, right? Shortly, shortly after the birth of his child. I don't know how to feel about that, but okay. <laughs> he, stayed all, he stayed up all night to get lucky. He got lucky. He got a kid out of it, though. I mean, it's what he does. <laughs> his luck ran out, is what you're saying? It's what the, the drip, uh, Seth Rollins' drip, drip, what do we call it? I, it's it. something. You don't like it? I mean, I love I love his suit game, but he drip drip too much inside the man, and now he has a child. So I mean, uh, he may need to lay off the drip drip. That's all I'm yeah. saying. <laughs> it's all a right. lot of luck. Yeah. It's, it's a I I I I watch RuPaul's Drag Race, and there's some queens on there that don't have as much look as what Seth Rollins comes out with every week. All right, and I'm finally, at you, Elliot with two T's. Two T's. What? <laughs> God damn. And finally, WWE Championship Online between Bobby Lashley and Drew okay. McIntyre. This is being billed as, as uh, McIntyre's last opportunity to get the title. Drew versus Bobby. I'm a little tired of this feud. I mean, I, lo- I like the feud. Obviously, we've seen it in Mania. We've seen it, obviously, I must mean, Backlash. And they even wrestled thing on Raw once between between now and then. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Like, I'm worried they're going to put the, the tie back on Drew. I hope not. They're not. I want the state, state, state of course. They are. I think you talk about, you know, holding the title. I think Drew's at a point now where we know Drew could be a good champion. I think there's a lot of value now moving forward in having Drew chase for next year. Well, he can't chase if he can't fucking fight for the title anymore if he loses this match. Unless you send them over to SmackDown, or you have to say, be drafted. So, so, so you're gonna feed them to fucking Roman? Not right now. <laughs> no, but I you did tell you though that I did say though Roman. I did say though, and I was on this show on my on my podcast that he could be the guy to to beat Roman next year in Mania. Well, I, I listed off. Yeah, three. don't fucking don't put him on fucking SmackDown now then because you got five months. 
We'll find a way to fucking blow this thing. What they do? Have you not fucking met WWE booking before? Hello, my name is Lava Lamp. Look at me. <laughs> what they fucking do? There is a rumor. There was a rumor going around though that they made the draft much earlier this year. They have to. They have like thirteen people on their active roster. <laughs> what the fuck are we doing? They cut is half we, the roster. How long have been doing October drafts? The last ten years? How long? No. Oh, no. Okay. Just curious. They, they, they've done drafts for the last ten years. No, in October, I'm saying. No, no, no. Wrong with you. No, in October, I'm saying is the question. No, no, they switch it up whenever they want. Sometimes okay. I mean, it's the one, SummerSlam, three, sometimes three it's been after WrestleMania. Like, three years ago, it was like a week after WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. They can do it whenever they want. And it actually, honestly, really wouldn't surprise me if they do it, like, around the time that they start touring again, like, maybe in about a month after Mania. I've heard that it's so. definitely... I've heard rumors about August being a draft, probably at the SummerSlam. I can see, I, see, I can see them, I can see them doing it right before SummerSlam. Like, yeah, I can you too. Come out, you, you come out of Money in the Bank and you're like, the draft is August 1st, SummerSlam is August 22nd. Right. That's because, because, because they're really good at being like, oh yeah, we're going to build up SummerSlam. Jameis is going to take on, uh, you know, Jeff Hardy loses, he has to retire, if he wins, he gets the title. Uh, breaking news, Jeff Hardy just got drafted to SmackDown. Right. Right. I only yeah, ask that question totally, because I... I could totally see it. I only ask that question because ever since I've been watching, it's been October every time. So, that's all I was asking. Uh, well, no, I, it's just, they're, they're very good at being like, you know what, we need we need to move some people around. Let's do it after we've already started the build of, of the show. Right. So, so it's like, you know what, Jeff Hardy, uh, if you lose this match, you have to leave Raw. Okay, Jeff Hardy got drafted in the SmackDown. What happens if he wins? <laughs> do you have a title with him? Like, what are we doing? Why are we doing here, guys? That said, I I think last year he retains. Yeah, I don't I don't see any scenario where he doesn't retain. I will say the threat of of Drew winning though is definitely makes it intriguing. No, I, think, I, I, I think that winning. was more of a threat before he lost like five times to Lashley already. This has been a storyline that probably should have like played out over the next six or eight months that played out over six or eight weeks. And that's the most painful part of all of it to me. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, like, do I think they could have a really good Hell in a Cell match? Yeah, totally. And I they will, I think. Right. I have no questions about that. I have full trust in the talent involved and in the kind of match that it is. I think they're going to put on a spectacle, and I'm excited from that aspect. But storyline-wise, like you said, like I'm over it. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely over their feud. And I'm curious, feud. though, who would you feed Bobby to Lex? Who would you feed I, next to Bobby, not who would you yeah. feed Bobby oh, sorry. to Lex? Right. I really don't know offhand. I honestly, I, I'd have to actually like look over the Raw roster because mm. – like, nobody necessarily occurs to me. You know, you have Orton doing RK Bro thing, which by, the way, which, by the way, the, the other, like, real highlight of watching Raw this past week, the best match I've seen on a wrestling show on TV this week, and as we've established, I watched a bunch, and I might even watch more tomorrow, we just don't know, um, was hands down the New Day versus RK Bro on this past week's Raw. Like, I, I'm imploring both of you, if you watch nothing else from Raw this week, it was about, I think it was like at the end of the first hour or so, watch that match. 
See if it's on YouTube, if you can just find the match itself like that, if WWE's posted it like that, or go to your whatever Hulu, whatever recording. I promise you they did not cut this match out. It is it is a fantastic, I like, quite excellent match. Yeah, I did start it. I didn't finish it. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I have four rainbow flags. It was it was a fantastic match. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, so, like, obviously Orton's not someone that you're going to do it with. Riddle's not someone that you're going to throw to Lashley. I don't, I, I don't know, actually, who you put in there. Because Raw seems to kind of have, like, who it's what very, you got it's, obvious. It's, yes, very simple. Who? Kofi? Kofi and Xavier. Ugh. Well, they they already teased it already with MVP, you know, talk, yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. as much as you go, ugh, if that's who he fights at Money in the Bank, and they're not involved in the Money in the Bank match, like, okay, fine. At the end of the day, no, he's not fighting Kofi Kingston or Xavier Woods at SummerSlam, obviously. Right. Brock. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I wouldn't put it fucking past him. Uh. I mean, hell, one of the fucking pre-sell codes for, uh, for SummerSlam was Bella Army. We may get the Bellas winning the fucking women's tag titles. Yeah, don't hold come back. Actually, is that real? I mean, yeah, it's real. I mean, let's let's look at it. From Rumors are real. Let's look at it from this perspective. Alistair Black, Braun Strowman, Riot, Andrade, and we bring back the fucking Bellas and Brock Lesnar. I mean, what the fuck are we doing? Well, Brock, I mean, like, I know how you guys feel about Brock, obviously, but, you know. You, you, you mean Bork Lesnar, his, the, the Swedish chef's cousin? You know, the funny thing is, if you look at math and time and time and math, and, and uh, look, I don't know what to tell you. But like this is this is not nicotine. So like you 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 look at like like the timeline <laughs> and the universe and all the places it's meant to go, right? Right. WWE has always liked going back to legends and to people who are already established stars and bringing them in a little bit past their prime and making a run with them. And, you know, like, this is, like, in, like, the, in, like, 2009, 2010, when all of a sudden Kevin Nash was back. Or, like, stuff like that. So, is it surprising that all of a sudden we might get the Bellas back? No. They're basically Kevin Nash circa 2010. You know, like, we're, we're about there in the timeline for where the Bellas making a comeback makes sense. Like, we but don't want but, it, but, but does like... That mean, does that mean Brian's coming back, too, then? I would, I would hope so. If that, if, if maybe, we maybe, get maybe Brian, Bobby, maybe Bobby gets Edge next. Oh, Battle of the Seniors. I can I, see it. I saw something about. Here's the thing: if you're gonna give Bobby the the win, which I'm predicting Bobby wins. Yeah. Let's just be transparent with that. He's your second biggest draw as your. Second world champion. Obviously, Roman number one with a bullet. Doesn't matter. You've got to fill 88,000 seats. SummerSlam. Yeah. You're going to have to bring in some heavy artillery. You have to bring in your Brock Lesnar, your Bellas, your Edges, your your Bryans, stuff like that. Like, you're going to have to do that. Like, fine. But... 
this where we go full heavy artillery, or is this where we're like, maybe not give him John Cena? Do we not give him, you know, The Rock against Roman? And we just try to do it with them. I think, like, they have to go heavy artillery because, A, they're going up against fucking Manny Pacquiao, but, B, it's fucking 88,000 seats together. And they are treating this like a fucking WrestleMania. We've heard that for the last couple weeks. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm just, I, I think that I think Edge makes the most sense for Bobby next, possibly because it gives him that certified challenger, like it's someone that you know is going to get a good match out of Bob. Because also too, at the end of the day, Bobby needs a big win in his title reign right now. Like, not not named your McIntyre, of course. Right. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's not been a good title reign, but it's kind of been uneventful. And at the end of the day, the only person he's beaten, like you said, yeah, is Drew McIntyre. He's beaten The Miz and he's beaten Drew McIntyre. Two huge names. And I'm not taking anything away from them as the people he's beaten, but who, who's next? You know, like, like if he lost the title at this point to Drew or lost it to the next person he defends it against, it, we're not going to look back at it and be like, wow, that was one hell of a title reign. We might no, be like, yeah, it wasn't bad, but we're not going to be like, oh, wow, that was incredible. I, you, you need to get him a couple of wins against you, some bigger names. Like maybe he needs a quick like AJ Styles victory. Maybe he needs like a Kofi Kingston victory. Maybe he needs like, you know, an edge victory. You you do need some people to play out with there so that it just so it comes across as more prestigious. You said who's next? The first person came to mind was God good. damn you! Don't you dare! I know. I trust I me. I'm with you. Not will it into existence. We're the same page. Murder now. you. Yeah. I'm You've sure. already caused Brandon Cutler. We do, do realize though. Come on, we do realize though when you say heavy artillery, you know in Vince's head, that name has crossed his fucking forehead quite a few times already. Goldberg, Goldberg. I, just, I don't understand. I hope not. On list, on list of heavy artillery, when I think of what Vince McMahon's thinking of, Cena, Rock, Brock, and then the, like, the Bella Twins or like Trish Stratus, like that—that's the heavy artillery that I think like Vince would realistically think of at this point, because Goldberg was so bad in that match that it's just like. Against McIntyre. I don't think that we can really do this. this is and I think. I, I promise you that somewhere right now as well, Mark Gallo, what, what the fuck's his last name? Mark Callis. Mark Callaway? Yes. Mark Callaway. Is, is, is holding his cell phone and the name Vince McMahon is popping up on it on the call ID. And he's looking over at Michelle McCool and being like, fucking shit. Will you just answer this? Tell him I'm not allowed. Just tell him no. Tell him I'm punished or something. I can see making an appearance, maybe, but that's about it. I think he's, if, he's, if he's coming in, he's coming in guns blazing. He ain't coming in fucking to walk down there with the fucking... But you know that he's like Vince's go-to, I need something, you know. Which, again, it's one of the reasons why I say like it's interesting, because now we're going to start to see who the new go-tos are for those things. Because like, The Undertaker is gone. That's you know, a topic in itself, Joe. What? Go to. It's a topic in itself. Uh, brain, brain, brain's moving here. Heavy, heavy, heavy artillery that can fill up that arena. Bring back brain. 
Let's save this for next week then for this topic. Because this can go fucking teach you. Who? Oh, let him in? Yeah. Let him in. No, yeah, let's see. He might not be ready to come back. That's not. That's, that's He's not, not hurt, is he? Thing. He's not hurt. He's taking a break, right? Give me a mixed tag match between Alexa Bliss and Bray Wyatt as the Fiend and Sister Abigail versus. Dusty and Sapphire. Joking. Dusty and Sapphire. Uh, okay. That's a hell of a cell. Uh, that was the worst. That was the worst American Dream fucking come into his song ever. By the way, it was just, awful. Just, oh, man. American Dream. Uh, you've got uh, me for no. thirty more minutes, so we better start talking about these. Right, topics. So your topics next. Oh shit! I wasn't prepared for that. Okay. Get wrecked, fool. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll make it easy, right? So Hell in a Cell is this Sunday. There's two of them fools on the show, and it turns out there's been a lot of Hell in a Cell matches over the years. There's been at least one every year since 1997. A lot of years there's been like two or so. I think there's been. I sent out that list to you guys, and I don't. I think there's been something like 50-something Hell in a Cell matches overall in WWE history. Here's the crazy thing. we I, My question to you guys, and we'll, we'll bring it up as a topic here, was uh, your top five favorite Hell in a Cell matches. To me, I think the craziest part about it is looking over that list of like the 50-something Hell in a Cell matches that have actually happened – it was actually really easy coming up with a top five favorite because a lot of them just do not stand out. A lot of them are not particularly memorable. A lot of them just, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is, but given how many of these matches have actually happened, I'm a little surprised that the cream of the crop rises as easily as it does, uh, at least for me personally. You guys might disagree, but you guys can go first. Give me your top fives. All right, Ernest, so Ernest, you go first because yeah. I'm still trying to incorporate my list. No problem. I have my list here too. So Good. I, oh, I, I didn't actually I, write the list for the record. Okay, so I remember a couple weeks ago when you had said you were going to do this topic, yes. and I told you, feed me, feed me some matches I've, I've missed in the last 15 years I may have not watched. Yeah, so I watched a couple of those matches in the last couple of weeks. Just kind of get. You were uh, like, smack it, daddy, smack it. Get yeah, it. smack it, baby. Wow. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, so no, no, because there's a lot because you have the obvious ones and so many obvious ones are on my list, obviously. Yeah. But I wanted some, some that were good, but maybe they still stand out legendary as as the others. So here's my top five. Number oh, yeah. five, I got Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch from 2019. Okay, that was a really good one. That was Sasha's return um, after being away for a couple months after Mania. Number four, of course, the infamous or famous, depending on your perspective, of course, Mankind and Undertaker from 1998. The, uh, I mean, it wasn't a great match, obviously, but the no, bumps, it's a spectacle. The bumps. It's a spectacle. Yeah. The bumps are the bumps. It's, it's 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 a car crash. It's a car crash, dude. The and whole way through. It's, it's gonna forever be famous. Like it's it's probably one of the more, probably one of the more noteworthy. And that's not the right word. What am I, what's the word? Like infamous. Yeah, I mean that fucking drop from the top from the top of the cages to this day is still like how the fuck he survived that shit. Yeah. Uh, number three, um, 
from 2017, The Usos and The New Day. I really, I first time watched it a couple weeks ago, really enjoyed that match. Told a great story, you know, the whole nine. Um, of course, Usos won that match, won, won the titles that night. Uh, number two, hold on a second, my phone is, there we go. She's here again, Sasha Banks, once again, for the second time on my list. And Bailey from last year. Yeah. That was arguably match of the year last year for me. I, I think they made my top, yeah. That was one of my, my top three matches last year I, I think I watched. Um, and number one, this is, this is, this is easy, if you, everybody knows this is the easy number one for me. It's arguably my favorite match of all time, period. It's the first one, Hell in the Cell, between Taker and HBK. The debut of Kane. Uh, the match itself was fresh and new. I fucking love that. That was the match that made me a Shawn Michaels hardcore fan. Okay. Hardcore. Like, yeah, he's pretty boy, da da da, and that, but this motherfucker can take bumps too. And yeah, and what? Yeah. yeah. No, and, I, and, so wait, I'm, I'm curious. I, I love, I love when someone says like this is their favorite of something. Why? Like, what makes that out of all of the wrestling matches you've ever watched in your life? What, what story, makes that the perfect wrestling match for you? The story was fantastic. Okay. First off, you have interlooping stories going on here. Yeah. Like, Kane debuts that night, but we're supposed to forget about the Kane angle <laughs> because they had mentioned Kane in, in months at this point. After Paul Bear said Kane's alive, Kane's alive, this is back in June. Yes. Okay. We, we so we're supposed to know about Kane, but then we forget about Kane. Taker's champion. He was a title of Brett in SummerSlam. You know, you probably still know the Kane thing, but we're not, no one's talking about it. Then this feud, of course, is fantastic. You know, Taker and Shawn Michaels feud is my favorite feud probably all time. Oh, um, wow. I, I, and I'm talking about the first one, the first installment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just loved it. And then all of a sudden, Kane comes in the ring, and what the fuck, you know? But the match itself, it's totally. Told a fantastic story. And remember, this is the first Hell in the Cell. This is all I'm used to blue the, the blue fucking cage matches. Right. You know, we just had a blue cage match two months before that at SummerSlam. You know, between Brett and, uh, and Taker. Mm-hmm. Oh no, not Brett. I'm sorry. Um, Triple H and uh, Triple right. H and, uh, and and Mankind. Sorry. Um, yeah. yeah. I, gotta, you, I give Hell in a Cell credit. Whoever came up with the concept of it or whatever. It was the most revolutionary thing that they've done with cage matches and, like, gimmick matches in general in a very long time when they came up with it. Because you could tell, probably like... Since, probably since War Games. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing, right? You could tell that there's always been an idea in pro wrestling since the beginnings of the territories and stuff of how can we do bigger? And when it came to cage matches... Nine times out of ten, the idea of doing bigger for a long time was building up. And, like, and I'm only saying this because I just got, like I said, I've been watching Great American Bash from 1988, where they have the Tower of Doom match with the three cages on top of each other. Like, it's the most awful-looking thing. But for a long time, that was the, the thought that you had to go in for a direction to make a cage match bigger. And then, like, like Mike said, like, yeah, you had War Games where it was like, okay, two rings. But, you know, that's not always the most, like, reasonable one, thing. One yeah, but thing is clear, crazy. though, Joe. One thing is clear. Not everybody can do this match. Not everybody can do it. Like, no. if you're Shawn Michaels, if you're Undertaker, Sasha Banks, Becky Lynch, these matches are made for certain people that can translate a story. 
Yeah. Shawn Michaels Undertaker, and if you've seen, obviously, who would have thought that this would be this best match? This is probably the third best match they've done of all time, of many they've done. Because, obviously, the shit they did in Mania 25 and 26, mm-hmm. I mean, you have to say that probably, though it's not my personal favorite match, it's definitely arguably the greatest match of all time. No, so. I mean, I, I, I take this match over those matches, too, personally. I'm with you. I think I think that the original Hell in a Cell match with HBK and Kane and um, Undertaker is probably easily in the top five, like, greatest matches in WWE history. Right. Probably, arguably, in the top, like, two or three. Honestly, I it's... It, it just everything about that match is fantastic. It is a five star match, like no questions asked. Yeah, to me, it's like it's on a level of Steamboat and Savage. Like I look at like, oh, who's your yeah. favorite match of all time? It's HBK and Taker, Savage and Steamboat, and then maybe a couple more in there. And I don't, I, don't, I don't disagree with you on any of that. And as an aside, I realized earlier today while I was um, walking the dog, just randomly hit me. Um, of course, I'm gay. I grew up where my favorite wrestler was a man who literally shook his ass around and was like, I'm a sexy boy. So, I mean, like, this is like wrestling turned me gay, if we're being clear. Okay. Right. Anyway, moving on. So. <laughs> it's Mike's face. <laughs> like, you want to hit me with your list? Yeah, sure, because I'm going to do something completely different. Oh. I do not have the first Hell in a Cell list in my top five. Okay. So. At number five, from last year's Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, give me the I Quit match for the Universal title between Roman Reigns and Jey Uso. Okay. The storytelling in this match was absolutely a game-changer. Yes. I agree. And I think that that is something that inside Hell in a Cell is something that sometimes isn't done. Most of the time, Hell in a Cell was to finish off a feud. There wasn't storytelling in that match. It was just, I'm going to kick this guy's ass, this guy's going to kick my ass, and we're going to be done with it at the end of it. Yes. So the the unfolding of the next layer of the Roman Reigns heel turn in this puts that on my list. Number four, from the same pay-per-view, the Sasha Banks versus Bailey one. Yeah. Arguably the best women's match of the year last year if not a top five match of the year contender for all of WWE. Um, I think those two are the, the, the two slam dunks from the early one. Now things are going to get a little interesting. And, you know, obviously at number three, I have the tag match from Hell in the Cell 2017 between the New Day and the Usos. These two teams beat the absolute fuck out of each other. And it was great. And I loved every minute of it. I, yeah. think they had a, I think they had a great match. I think that, that those were the first, those were the perfect teams to put in the chamber match against each other, and I think it just worked perfectly. Um, and I and I'm a very big advocate that if they want to do that again sometime, that I will pay oodles of money to see them do that inside of a Hell in a Cell. Um, this one is going to be an interesting input, and and I know that this one might be the one where you guys are like, "What the fuck are you doing, Mike?" Hell in a Cell 2014. This match only went 14 minutes, but it was a fun 14 minutes. Seth Rollins versus Dean Ambrose. Ooh. You know, I genuinely, like, only vaguely remember that match. I was looking over the list of all the Hell in a Cell matches, and I was like, I think I remember that being a really good match. 
but I don't actually like full on remember it. Like, Never I saw if I went it? back and watched it, I'd be like, oh yeah, this was awesome. But I like, enjo- I enjoyed it, but it was almost like it was just a quick sprint hmm. because they were in and then it was done. Like it was fourteen minutes, they were out. No titles were on the line. These guys just went at it. And, I never you know, saw I that. Watch for tomorrow. See, I, I not, remember. I, I remember their match at I think like SummerSlam that year more, where mm-hmm. it was like um like a lumberjack match or something like yes. that. Do I have one left or do I have two left? I, one may, I may have fucked my I may have fucked my numbers up here. You went. Uh, no, I only have I have one left and I fucked my numbers up. Right. I think that's what I'm saying. Um, this one and. I will probably get booed out of the building for this one, and that's okay, because it's what I do. My favorite Hell in the Cell match took place in the year 2002. Oh, I was going to say the other one. Between the next big thing, Brock Lesnar, and the Undertaker. What's wrong with that? Why did you get booed out of that? There's a lot of people that didn't like that match. Really? Okay. Because of the whole fucking Undertaker with the cast and all that bullshit, and it just played into a whole other fucking like role of the match. There's a lot of people that didn't like this match. Um, I loved this match. I thought this match was awesome. Um, the fact that the philosophy of Brock, like trying to be Undertaker, and then when he couldn't, he then started to attack the hand and taking out the cast so that he could get to the broken hand of the Undertaker and things like that, knowing that he had to do whatever he had to to, to right retain his title. Like I just, I just love that match. Those two guys worked so well together here. Um, and I mean, honestly, it probably was a precursor to Taker being okay with letting Brock end the streak because it's like these guys had great matches in 2002 together. Yeah, 2003. So it's like I, I, I can see this being like a precursor where they're like, oh man, let's uh, let's see, let's see where we go from here. Yeah. Um, and then, and an honor, like I have two honorable mentions. Uh, first off. The 2000 uh, No Way Out show where Triple H defeated Cactus Jack, where if he lost, he had to retire. That one may be my favorite Mick Foley Hell in a Cell match. Yeah. The one against Undertaker is a car crash. That's not a match. That That is a Young Buck spot fest. It is a fucking car crash. And it's like... I would even... I would even argue... And this this might be a hot take. This might be the one that gets me booed out of the building, which, by the <laughs> way, you can't actually do that. I would say that that Hell in a Cell match being basically the second ever Hell in a Cell match, like I know there was technically, I think, one or two in between. No, I don't but, think so. No, yeah, there was one on Raw at the very least. Oh, wait, um, yes. Was that the one yeah. that the New Age Out was? No, so, no, 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 it was, it was, it was, it was, like, it was I have the list up right now. It was yeah, Michael yeah. versus, it was Michaels versus Taker at the first one. Right. The second one was Stone Cold and The Undertaker against Mankind and Kane on a Raw. The third one was the 1998 car crash between The Undertaker and Mankind. Okay. Then, then there was a singles one match between Kane and The Undertaker, Kane and Mankind. Then we had that really bad one at WrestleMania between Undertaker and and the Big Boss Man. Oh, and that was a terrible cast. fucking match. And, and then, and then, and that was the that was the match where we discovered that Boss Man was well hung though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. okay, so here's what I'm saying though: having that match as the third ever time that you did that gimmick, it's like they killed the town. I feel like it was it's it's again 
it's a it's a fantastic what it is. It is what it is. It's it's memorable. It's something that if you've never seen it, you should go watch it. It definitely deserves its place in history. I'm not I'm not talking down on it in any capacity. But what could you fucking do with this gimmick after that match? Like honestly, well, they did the everything, and ever since then, every Hell in a Cell match has basically been trying to live up to that while also not doing that because we almost watched the man fucking die but when you they can't, did though, that. That's what I'm saying. Well, here's so, the thing. Like, to most people, yeah, the 1998 car crash at King of the Ring was them trying to upstage the first one. Right. So you're trying to upstage and upstaging. It's kind of hard to do. But me personally, I feel Hell in the Cell lost a lot of its lust. That first one. Because that whole thing when it was being talked about was that can't get out, nobody can get in. Right. Once you're there, for a ride with who you're against. In that first one, we had DX break in and Kane ripped the fucking door off. Right. How the fuck are you building it as being indestructible in the first one? Wait, didn't door, wait, 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 didn't door open because Shawn Michaels hit the cameraman, they came in to take the cameraman out, and the door was open. And, 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 then DX, and then DX fucking punched the referee and got in the, got in the cage. What I'm getting at is... Did they know? I don't remember them getting in the cage. Uh, I think I think China got in and threw Sean the title. I, I get what you're saying, uh-huh. though. But like, you, you've said it. Like, not that that's not really great storytelling, because it is, but you've sure. now set up parameters where it's like, okay... Why shouldn't this happen every single time there's a Hell in a Cell match? Exactly. If you're part of a heel group, at what point don't you just say, hey, punch the fucking cameraman so we can get in the in, into the cell? Right. What? Like, the truth of the matter is, and maybe it's because they use it as often as they use it, but Hell in a Cell isn't actually any more special than a standard steel cage match. Not anymore. Not match. anymore. I- but it hasn't been arguably since about the third one. Yeah, I agree. It's like like we're both saying here, like you've already established all the ways to I would say, take advantage I would say of the last the last real important cell match was the sixth one, and that was Cactus versus Triple H with with Mick's career on the line. Yeah. Can we get to a point where we don't have Hell in a Cell reviews anymore? Hell in a Cell should be used for a feud. That's it. One feud or whatever. But the, or, issue, but the issue with that is everything has to have a theme. <laughs> yeah. Don't need the Hell in Cell theme. It's Hell in Cell match. The match Hell in okay. Cell. You don't, but like that doesn't mean well, WWE doesn't like doing that, okay. and it's an easy one for them. But if you have two Cell matches a year, you can just put a fucking bow on it and name it a fucking pay-per-view, and you ain't got to worry about where you put it, because you could have exactly. a one-year in August, you could have a one-year in October, you could have a one-year in July, and it ain't going to fucking matter. So, right. I mean, it, it, honestly... This give me hell in the cell every year. If they take this 17 minutes that it took them to come up with the concept of having a pay per view of this and put it towards some storyline that makes fucking sense. Was this a Pat Patterson creation? Who you think did this? I have no idea. I think if you go back and actually listen to the Bad Blood episode of Something to Wrestle, I think Bruce actually talks about it. I don't remember offhand who it is, but I think Bruce talks about it. I do. Um, 
You know, but I'll say this. It, it makes me appreciate even more that you threw the Jey Uso and Roman match from last year's Hell in a Cell on your list. Yeah, I like that a lot. really is one of the more unique Hell in a Cell matches where, like, and great, like it didn't even necessarily need to be in the cell, but it is. It, it is what it is. They put mm-hmm. it in the cell. And they told a very different story from every other Hell in a Cell match. And I think I that's appreciated what kind of that. I think, that's, I think that's what kind of stuck out to me. It's like it wasn't yeah. for a typical Cell match. I mean, I could have been an asshole and put The Fiend versus Seth Rollins and somehow ended up in a disqualification on my list because how the fuck do you get disqualified in a match that has no rules? But I digress. <laughs> it's like the storytelling in that, in that I Quit match was almost like, oh, you can do different things inside the cell. You can do yes. other other things. Like, I get it. Like, that first one was a story. The the third one was a story. The sixth right. one with Cactus losing and having to retire was a story. And then it was just like, here's the end of the feud for the next, like, 12 It's years. probably, it's honestly even why, and like I said, I didn't actually sit down and write out a list, because why would I? I don't know. It's your list. Uh, it's, it, I don't, I don't. But, but, if I had put a list together... First of all, yes, HBK and Undertaker would have been on my list. The very first Hell in a Cell match, no question. The and the, another match that would have definitely been on my list, and I'm and it, again it comes up because of what you were just saying. But the Usos and the New Day one, which was the first ever tag team Hell in a Cell match, if, if I remember correctly, is I it think the only? Had, no, no, because no, you had one? DX and I just I just told you that the second one was like. Austin and oh, you're Undertaker. right. You're Austin right. Mankind yeah. and, Kane. and a few years later, we also had like DX against like Big Show and the McMahon and what Big Show or something. Yeah, shit. yeah, they shoved Vince's head in fucking Big Show's ass. Jesus Christ! But so yeah, no, okay. So I'm wrong about I'm wrong about that. I was about to say oh, it was the first time ever. So no, that's actually first, just a great fucking hell in a cell match. It may, it may be the first time I think the tag titles were defended inside Hell in a Cell. Like okay. That may, that may be a statistic. That, that sounds right. Well, either way, but that one stands out because of the performance that both those teams put on. So that one definitely would be on my list. Me personally, and again, like, to me, a lot of the older ones are the best ones. I think that, like, like to me, Hell in a Cell, as, as a concept, like I said, kind of lost its luster after probably about the first four or five years. So, no surprise that some of the earlier ones would be on my list. Like, honestly, give me the six-man Hell in a Cell match from Armageddon 2000. I, I see love that. that fucking match. Like, huh? I gotta see that one. You haven't seen that one? I don't, I don't remember it. So that's I was watching the, the time, too, but I remember Kurt's it. in there defending the title, and you've got Triple H in there. You've got Steve Austin in there. You've got The Rock in there. You've got Rikishi in there. It has one of the most. It has one of the more contrived off the off of the cell spots, but it is what it is. It's a stunt show. Let's all like you know. Don't get your panties in a bunch about it. Just just enjoy it for what it is. I think it's a fantastic match. It's a car crash, and it's all over the place, and it's crazy. But it's also five of the greatest workers of all time, and Rikishi. All in the cell at the exact wow. same time, Ooh. and that's just incredible. His sons are his sons had a better one, like against the New Day. Oh, so, that's so that's facts. This is why they were able to. Rikishi like willed the power onto them from his experience. 
But yeah, that one would definitely be on my list. Um, I, I would put the McFoley and Triple H one on my list. I think that one's an incredible match. Um, I would also put the Jericho Triple H one on my list from, I think I was like, what, 2003? Yes. It was like around that time frame. It's a, it's a really underrated one, honestly. Very underrated Hell in a Cell match. Here's one. I'm a fan of that one. Here's one that you told me to watch that I wouldn't put on my list, but I did like it. Maybe because I the uh, expectations were a little lower. But the Kevin Nash Triple H one from 2003. Yeah. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad because of the spots that the referee McFoley was right. taking. You're correct. The only thing that saved that match. Right. Nash that match, match had, had a low bar. That so. match was almost as entertaining as slamming my foot with a hammer. It was that as bad as fucking the, the spin the so, wheel with fucking triple with oh Stone Cold and Eric Bischoff? Come on now. <laughs> if, we ever, if we ever finish that year, I may literally give myself like a fucking reward of like fucking seven billion dollars. It's just so painful to watch. So, okay. No, it's been life. Wait, but before we move on to the last topic, real quick, only answer the question. You don't have to explain the answer. Just give the answer to the question, okay? Okay. Gun to your head. No, that's violent. We're not going to do that. Um, you you have to show a Hell in a Cell match to someone who's never seen a Hell in a Cell match before. What's the Hell in a Cell match you're showing them? First one. That's easy. Next. That's easy. Any match I'm showing is probably the first one. Interesting. Okay. I, I, I love that match. You have no idea how much I love that match. Michael? I'm probably going Cactus versus Triple H from No Way Out in February. Nice. Okay. Speaking of topics, uh, Michael, I think I'm going to end this with you. What, what, Joe, which one would you have shown? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, probably the first one also. But I was, I was, I was curious if either of you guys were going to say the King of the Ring one because that's that's a big go-to if you've never seen a match I before. Think, I think that one. I think that one is one that you have to let them. You have to let them see, like, other versions before you go to the full-fledged car crash. Okay. Okay. Once you get – because once right. you get to I'm that point, you. there's no going back. I'm with you. Show them the beauty of the, of the match first. So Shawn Michaels and – Yeah. Because that match did have bumps also almost similar to what McFoley did. But yeah. it, was still, it was much more coordinated. You know, and then yeah. show the – Shawn, Shawn taking, Shawn taking the, the bump off the side of the yes. cage. It yeah. made Mick taking it off the top of the cage doable because they were yes. like, all right, well, you didn't die falling off the side. So maybe if he gets off the top, you won't die. Yeah, but he, the thing is he got thrown off, though. Man. That's the worst part. He got thrown off. Like, I mean, <laughs> yum. Anyway. Undertaker grabbed him and just said, yeet. <laughs> I, hurt, I hurt watching that match, to be honest with you. Anyway. There are very few times that I've literally, like, when I see a guy take a bump where I'm just literally, like, rolling on the ground in pain, and it's every time I see him fucking hit that table coming off the top, I'm like, yeah. Uh, the worst bump for me is the, the fucking on top on top top of the fucking cage. When, when, the top gives, when the top gives out? Yeah. That one hurts me. That, oh. and, and But that oh. man then went on to be like, can we find a safer way for me to take that same bump again? And did it then in the fucking Triple H match. I find it more entertaining that he he 
took those big bumps like that. And the first thing that he says when he comes back behind the curtain is, Vince, sorry I didn't get the thumbtack spot in. And they did. You literally almost died. And you're like, sorry I missed the spot. Can I just hey, say real quick? Get the spot. God bless McFoley, man. Just gotta say, thank you. He's anyway. an underrated. He's underrated in a he's lot so of ways. Underrated. So underrated. All right, Mikey. All right. High topic for this week as we wrap up this week's episode of the Take the Wrestling Podcast with the return of Samoa Joe to NXT in a office position as the muscle enforcer, I guess, right? Yeah. With that being said, and the rumors coming out that Joe is not, quote, medically cleared as of yet, maybe not at all. Is this the end of Samoa Joe's in-ring career? And if it is, what is Samoa Joe's legacy to professional wrestling? For those of you that same boat is Ernest, because you're friends with Ernest and you may have not have known. Samoa Joe, multi-time X Division champion, multi-time. Uh, didn't he win the world title there like three times or something? He might have. I honestly don't know. I know. I know he won it at least once. Yeah. Held the tag titles probably a couple times. Was one of the longest reigning Ring of Honor world champions at the time. Had great matches in Ring of Honor with the likes of pretty much anyone that you can name on you know AEW, WWE, etc. Um. Comes to WWE, wins the NXT title, has a good feud with Finn. Um, yeah, so th- this guy's a guy who's been around for a while. And um, the rumor is that the head injuries and the, and the neck and the stuff like that that's involved, that he may not be able to get cleared anymore. Um, I will tell you that as much as I'm a Brian guy, I'm a Joe guy. And Joe's been one of those guys. And if you haven't, and I don't know if Ernest has, but if you haven't, and you haven't watched the AJ Styles versus Christopher Daniels versus Samoa Joe triple threat match at one of those Impact pay-per-views, it was like I don't remember. Un, un, not unforgiving, un, like unstoppable. Yeah, I, I, there was one where they main evented the show, and it deserved to be the main event, and it was the best match that I've probably seen those guys put on ever. Um, and that's coming from a guy like AJ Styles, who's had probably some of the greatest matches of all time. Mm-hmm. And that match probably blows the doors off of probably any other AJ match that I could think of off the top of my head. So, you know, it's one of those where having the right dance partners help, but Joe is a guy that was just on a whole nother level. Um, his matches with Angle and Impact were, were, were really good, um, you know. But the funny part was, I always go back to Ring of Honor days, and you knew whenever you heard the champ was here that someone was about to get themselves fucked up. And Joe had great matches in in Ring of Honor, and he was probably the main reason why I stayed interested in the indie scene, um, you know, when it started to take off. Because honestly, whenever everything started to take off, I was living in Virginia at the time, and there wasn't a lot of independent wrestling promotions coming to, to Virginia all that frequent. Um, well, ROH it, would go to Manasses. And I would go every time that they were in Manass ass. Um, it's just one of those things where Virginia wasn't the most easiest place to, to, to get clearance to come wrestle. And I know that from hearing stories about 
our friend Kevin telling us. Yeah. So <clears throat> I get it from a business perspective. But it was one of those things where it's like I had to follow a lot of stuff on the internet. I had to watch a lot of clips. I had to, to you know, talk about it with friends, a la this where I met the guy that's on this show with us, Joe Lopez. Um, and it's one of those things where it's like, if I don't see a clip of this random big guy fucking beating people's asses the way that Joe was, I don't know that I get into Ring of Honor as much as I did. And I don't know if I get the things that I've gotten out of being a Ring of Honor fan from, you know, like I said, Joe to, you know, the countless other friends that we've met along the way. From yeah. Kevin to, to fucking, you know, Tom and those guys from Two Spot Monkeys that, that, that we got to meet through them. And, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like Greg and all, all the great people yeah. we've met. John, our, our, our British comrade who, you know, was part of the, the WrestleMania streaking crew there for a while until, uh, until he had to sit one out, um, you know. We miss you, John. We want you to come back to WrestleMania this year if you can make it across the pond. Um, but it's one of those things where it's like, I'll always be thankful for Joe. And I think when I think back to to Mojo, it, like that's my that's one of my guys. It's one of my like Mount Rushmore guys. I think he's a guy yeah. that I've always will hold in that regards, especially for the early the early night the early two thousands. He seems like a cool motherfucker. You just look at him. He's like a cool motherfucker, dude. That's, you know. Uh, yeah. You know, well, the, 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 on Cena, yeah. right? Where? The, um, well, to earn, this more goes to Ernest, because I'm sure it's something you already know, Mike. Before, like, he was in WWE and stuff mm-hmm. like that, him and John Cena were, like, BFFs. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, wow. They trained together back in the early 2000s. That's in fact, and that's the whole reason why John Cena had the whole the champ is here thing when he was the champion. That was I'm pretty sure Joe suggested that to him. Joe might even have been the one who suggested that he be like the doctor of thugonomics and stuff like that. Interesting. Well, yeah. I mean, you gotta remember you gotta remember Joe came out to Champ is here. Yep. Exactly. So, no, I feel bad because like I didn't get to see a lot of I saw that maybe the first year of Joe, but he, uh, not first year, but like when I started watching 2019 again, he, he had a little. He, he was U.S. champion at the time, and he lost a po- and then uh, lost a title to I think to a Ricochet, your boy, uh, Mike. <laughs> He's still a dick. <laughs> <laughs> and then he had a match that Kofi was pretty good at at the at that that summer at Extreme Rules, whatever it was. And then he had a couple, you know, here and he was here here and there, but he kept getting hurt. So I had to get a chance to really watch Joe in real time because every time he come back, he was back for a month or two, and then he was get hurt again. So, um, okay, so a few things. Yeah. Number one, you're gonna get to see all of that early Joe Ring of Honor stuff once yeah. I'm there because we're gonna be sitting down and watching all those. Shows. Yeah, I want to see it because I'm a big fan. Yeah. Of Joe. No, you're going to. I am looking forward to showing you all these shows. Right. Trust me. So and, and Joe came into Ring of Honor during their first year. Right. He came in, I think, like, like, Glory by Honor was one of his, I think, his, or the show before yeah. that. Something like that was, like, his yeah, first Yeah, he was, he was, he was pretty early in the, into the soiree. Yeah, yeah, no, because he came in with uh, the Prophecy as, like, mm-hmm. a hired, like, his match of Brock into what they did. But his match of Brock at 2017, Great Balls of Fire, great match. I liked yes. it. I liked it. I still hate that the pay-per-view name. Yes, no, I think we all agree on that. <laughs> Jesus. 
So here's so, my thing about Joe. Okay. I'm obviously I've been a fan as long as Mike has. I've like I said, I've I've watched Joe since 2002. I've seen him live a million times. I've never thought I'd see him in WWE, and then that actually happened, and that was really cool. To be perfectly honest, in a lot of ways. So it's an interesting it's an interesting question as to whether or not it happened too late. Because on the one hand, I don't know that Samoa Joe would have actually fit into the WWE if he had been signed in 2005 or 2010. Like, remember, there was that point when Punk was first signed by WWE. Mm-hmm. That was right after the Punk and Joe series, which talk yep. about some matches. I heard about that, actually. Like, yeah, wait till we get to, like, 2004 in the Ring yeah. of Honor watching, which won't take that long because there's only so many shows they did back then. The the Punk versus Joe series of matches are legendary, and they deserve to be legendary, and you're going to see why. After those matches happened, Impact wanted both of those guys. WWE supposedly also wanted both of those guys. And what ended up happening was Punk went to WWE, Joe went to Impact. I don't actually know that I think that Joe would have stood out and become a star in WWE if he had gone there in 2005. I think that he would have ended up, first of all, he would have ended up being on, like, ECW, just like Punk did. But, like, I, I don't know. I feel like WWE wasn't ready for him at the time. The ironic thing is, I feel like in the timeline for where WWE is now for taking, like, you know, accepting indie wrestlers, building on them, not you know, like acknowledging that they have a career from outside of the company before they got here. Joe came in at the perfect time for all of that. It's just mm-hmm. that for him and his body and all everything he did to himself and all of that over the years wrestling, by the time he came in, he's obviously in a place now where he's just worn out and you're not going to get as long a career out of him in WWE as we all wanted. So, I mean, I kind of oh, wish that we had gotten more of him in WWE. I think there's even a potential world where he could have been WWE champion one day if he had gone a longer time being healthy and able to compete in the ring. But I don't actually know that he wouldn't have just kind of floundered if he had been signed by WWE earlier than he was. So, you know... That it, it's think, an interesting it's an interesting back and forth. I think he would have been okay when if he would have came over with the punk situation right after the the the, the punk Joe series. Okay. I think I think he would have been okay then. But once he decided to go to Impact, like I don't know that there was another spot that made sense for him to come in where I would have been like, "Oh, I believe he he would have been okay." Like I think yeah. like when, when he came in with them developing and, and, and all of that, that it just made sense for him to come in, be the, the Johnny Gargano of the early days of NXT, where it's like, he may never get called up to the main roster, but that's okay right. because he's having kick-ass matches with the with everybody else. Right. Not the end of the world. Um, so, like, with that being said, it's like one of those things where it's like, I'm almost happy that, that Joe didn't come over at first because he, we got to see those really good matches with Daniels and Styles and all that fun stuff with Angle and Impact and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's like, I, I'm happy about all that stuff. But my, que- I guess my other question in this match, in, or in this question is, 
do we get Joe cleared at some point to face somebody who's trying to take advantage of William Regal? And, and if he does, who do you think it is? I, I feel like they've definitely left that door open, which is why they established the rules that they did with him. It's why they didn't just straight up make him the GM. That's I mean, I, I and like, like you don't want to replace Regal. Regal's a legend. I mean, that man, I, I don't know how he's not even in the Hall of Fame yet. He's, he's say, unless, unless, runner. unless unless Regal's taking time off. If right. Regal's like, I want to take a vacation, then you'd be like, okay. But at that point, you could storyline be like, oh, William was attacked backstage by someone randomly, and you could just have him just go away for a couple months and then come back, and they'd be like, they could figure out that it was Adam Cole or something that did it. Right. So, no, I, I, I think that they put the verbiage the way that they did to leave the door open for if he gets cleared to wrestle, we're going to have him in the ring wrestling, at least a match or something. Um, if it were to happen in the close enough future, and I'm not thinking that it will, him versus Karrion Cross would be fucking awesome. Cross is totally the right character to have a match with Joe. And honestly, if you want to continue establishing Cross as this monster, giving him a big win over someone who at this point is just a veteran and a legend in his own right in Samoa Joe, I think you you easily have that case right there for Cross. However, I think Cross is going to end up on the main roster long before Joe is cleared for a match. So I almost... Like, I almost don't know who you could act. I don't know who to answer that question with because it could happen so far into the future that it doesn't even necessarily have anyone that's on the roster there right now or, like, is it moving around or whatever, you know? Okay, I think the two names that I come back to, obviously, is Adam Cole, baby. Right. And a guy who may not ever make it to the main roster. And we just mentioned, I just mentioned him by name. Give me, give me Joe versus Johnny Wrestling. Right. Like, I think those would be two really good NXT matches that if Joe could get himself cleared, and I'm not saying that Joe's actively trying to pursue getting cleared, or I'm not saying that Joe's actively not trying to get himself cleared. Because I don't have that information because, guess what, guys? This is just where we talk about it. I'm not fucking commenting on it like I'm Dave Veltzer and I know everything in the world. Joe may be trying day in, day out to be getting cleared. I, none, none of the three of us are going to know that answer for No. We, we can hope till the day is that the day is over and that Joe gets cleared and we get more matches out of him. But Joe may not want to do that. Joe may be more than content with being the enforcer and having a role backstage and maybe turning into the GM slash commentating, you know, early next year kind of thing. And if that's what Joe's doing and Joe loves it, like I said, my, I'll always be thankful for being a Samoa Joe fan for, for the last 20-ish years. Yeah. All right. Joe, what do you love this week? Oh, shit. <laughs> um, I actually next week? totally had an answer for this, and I can't remember what oh, it was. Oh, you did have an answer. Okay. I did. If he doesn't, I have something for I Yeah, something. go for it. Mike, All what do you love this week? What I love this week is the fact that Joe Lopez was able to stay on top of his fantasy wrestling league draft fucking board for most of it without me having to actively fucking punch him in the face. So to all of our friends on the global horseman board for us getting to round like 14 in four days where it normally takes us like 12 because Joe times out after four hours for like the last like nine rounds of the fucking draft. I love, I love that for us. (laughs) (laughs) MVPs. That was good.
Okay, I got my MVP though. Thank God. So my MVP, because for a minute it was going to be Samoa Joe, but then you took the Samoa Joe topic, and I was like, okay, I can just talk about him there. So that was an easy one. And I thought we would review TakeOver, but we didn't. So that's okay, because I can work this into my MVPs. My MVPs are the five men who are in the main event of TakeOver in your house. That's Karrion Cross, Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole, baby, um, Johnny Gargano, and... Pete Dunne. And, huh? Pete Dunne. And motherfucking Dunne. Those five men went... Okay, so... Anyone out there who has watched the HBO Max series Legendary, I don't know if either, you guys are both too straight to probably know what this is. It's a ballroom <laughs> competition, which is a type of dance. It's very gay. And Megan Thee Stallion is one of the judges. It's actually really entertaining. You should definitely watch it at some point. But one of the judges on the show is a fashion designer named Law Roach. Law, Law, Law Roach. And... He likes to say whenever any of the teams come out and, you know, they do a really good job, they, you know, a really great performance, he likes to say to them, you did what needed to be done. And I'm going to say that to those five men. They went out there in that ring and they did what needed to be done. And that, my friends, was a five rainbow flag match. Might be one of the best matches of the year. No, is one of the best matches of the year. Might be the match of the year by the time it's all said and done. I adore that match. I will gladly give one-fifth of an MVP to each of those men this week, even Karrion Cross, because I actually think he was awesome in that match. Everything about that was great. Also, I've realized that wrestling is a lot more fun when you consider it like one of those competitions, like a dance competition, where every single match is just the two wrestlers trying to put out their best attempt at a wrestling match. All right. Well, my MVP is actually kind of the same vein, but I'm going to go someone else. L.A. Knight. Kicked ass. Huh? Did what needed to be done. Done. A great match against Cameron Grimes, and then him turning on fucking DiBiase on Tuesday. It's great. That was a great. I mean, that I like that. So the fact that they got Ted DiBiase there for all of that was also kind of amazing. Oh yeah, I loved it. Loved it. So yeah, Knight yeah. Uh, L- LA Knight was definitely on my short list of MVPs for uh, this week's uh, abilities. Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna go in the world of. He wants to go. He's telling me he wants to go. <laughs> what was that, uh, My MVP this week, I'm going to go. You know what? I'm going to do something. Um, you know, I sent this to Joe. Uh, I'm going to give it to a, a gentleman that we lost earlier this week. Former <laughs> Chikara referee John Barber. The sheriff, as they called him. Um I don't know exactly what happened in the situation, but he was very young. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I'll give my MVP this week in honor to his memory. Um, and also, another one, and we'll just we'll leave it at this. Um, for those of you that don't know, I guess this is the one-year uh, like anniversary week of everyone coming out against uh, all those terrible human beings that 
Some of them are still unresting. Some of them are. That's right. That's that's so. So, you know, kudos to them for, you know, coming out and, you know, you made it a year with having to put up with people still trying to defend them. So, you know, stay strong. Yeah, we got your back. We got your back here on take three. All right, guys. Great show tonight. Great show tonight. So I guess enjoy Hell in the Cell. And until next week. Bye. 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 Bye.